Weezy Original. I'm Larry Galco. I'm Roger Berkowitz, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. Today, we're pleased to have John Burns with us. John Burns currently serves as CEO of TB12, Tom Brady's performance lifestyle brand. He's enjoyed a successful career in executive leadership and venture capital. His experience spans 20-plus years, the majority of which has been in the consumer sector. With a strong passion for entrepreneurship, John has served as CEO of four emerging consumer brands with a particular interest in health, wellness, sports, and fitness. He currently serves on the boards of TB12, Spartan Race, Oath Pizza, Everybody Fights, and Grills Pickles. Well, John, welcome to Name Brands. It's great to have you here with us. And um, the first question we have to ask, I'm sure our viewers want to know, is like, what's it like to work with Tom Brady? I always tell you, people. You weren't original with that one. <laughs> come on. Come on. Uh, I, uh, I do get that question. Obviously, Tom's a special person. And uh, I, always, I always say to folks, what you see of Tom on TV and press conferences and interviews and when you, you know, see him in the media, he's, he's very much the same to work with. He's very genuine. He's very authentic. He's a great team player. Uh, he's an amazing leader. And he's a really, really thoughtful person, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to business. So mm-hmm. that that intensity of intellect that you see with football uh, carries over to business as well. I'm just curious, how did you and Tom first connect? We actually met, it would be sometime in 2018 was the first time we actually met personally. My story with Tom and TB12 goes back a little bit. I uh, originally was actually a client of TB12. Um, I hurt myself uh, playing men's league hockey one night, and a friend of mine said, oh, you should go to TB12 in Foxborough. They'll try and help you get better. And at the time, I said, honestly, I didn't even know what TB12 was, but I took a flyer, went down there. They helped me get better. And uh, I was really impressed with my experience. This is about four years ago. And I, being into consumer brands and as an entrepreneur myself and thinking about how to grow things, I started saying, gosh, someone should really take what they've started here and try and grow this. And that led me on a multi-year journey. I, I met and got to know Tom's co-founder, Alex Guerrero, um, got to know him, got to know a couple other people kind of in and around the business, and eventually got the chance to meet Tom. And here I am a year and a half two years later, running his business. John, branding is such a key element of, of every business. And, you know, as a business p- uh, person, and Larry, I'm sure you think of this as, as well, you know, we look at brands and see, you know, does it have legs? And, and when you look at, you know, arguably Tom is, is at the top of his game in terms of a, a professional football athlete and a quarterback Hall of Fame, uh, without a doubt. And he's revered in New England. I mean, he can do no wrong. He can walk on water. However, plus and the minus, he's so good, has he alienated the rest of the fandom or the potential market? And so so I'm, I'm thinking about this, too. If I'm a brand, he's so good, but is he so good in one segment? I mean, what does New York think about him? And so then that leads me to think, so you know, okay, does he finish out his career uh, in New England? Because this is really his strongest point. And there has been speculation and talk that he might want to go to the West Coast. So now I'm thinking, ah, this could be a branding strategy <laughs> to go to the West Coast to show that he's not going to alien, he's going to bring everyone together. Anyway, just some of my thoughts, and I, I'd be curious for your comments. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a great question. You've built a great brand yourself over a period of time, so you, you get it um, very much. You know, I'll start with the last part of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I never uh, speculate on Tom's actual football career, right? Because uh, if I did that, it'd be very distracting to the day-to-day of the business. So what I focus on very much 
much. And what I try and have the team focus on is we're trying to build the best business we can. And really our business um, effectively at the end of the day is centered around Tom's lifestyle, right? And I think we have a few unique challenges slash opportunities as it relates to that. I think starting with certainly Tom is uh, most widely recognized as the 20-year quarterback of the New England Patriots. And on any given weekend, given the history in the last 20 years, there's a better than average chance that the Patriots are going to beat you. That can certainly alienate many people. Sure. <laughs> um, that being said, and we don't in New England, we yeah. don't care. About yeah, we don't that. care yeah. about that. But um, what I have learned and what I believe to be the opportunity is um, you are seeing a transformation of people's perception of Tom from just a New England Patriots quarterback to someone who is almost iconic, particularly as it relates to longevity and wellness and health. And so our business challenge is how do we translate that into something that extends even to places like Pittsburgh and Baltimore mm-hmm. <laughs> and Houston. Um, and so that's our business challenge, but you know that's, that's kind of the opportunity and the beauty of our business, which I don't think a lot of people truly appreciate just yet, and they will as we're more successful over the next couple of years. What we do is so authentic to what Tom does every day. Mm-hmm. We're really selling his lifestyle, if you right. will, educating people on his lifestyle. Uh, it's easy for the story to be honest and true. And that's a, those are important character traits of Tom that I think come through as you get to know him. And as a brand, we need to have come through. Well, you know what's interesting? I'm picking back on Roger mentioned, because I always think about as well, that there are some people out there that'll say, you know, and actually New England lovers, I want, I'm going to patronize and Tom Brady is my hero. And then outside, it's different feeling. But remember the movie when Harry Met Sally and Meg Ryan was there with Billy Crystal? Meg Ryan was kind of going through like a a fake orgasm, right? And the mother said, I'll have what she's having. Remember? I think a lot of people also in this country who might not be enamored with the fact that we keep winning six Super Bowls and everything else, whatever, I think people are still saying, regardless of that, I want what Tom Brady's having. Yeah. So can you just share that thought process and also lead into the purpose of why did he and you create this brand? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things in there. Uh, and if you're a sports fan and you follow at least the NFL and you know some of the up-and-coming people in the NFL, quarterbacks especially, but other athletes, you will see um, – what I believe to be, again, just further evidence of that transformation of people's perspective on Tom, whether it's someone like Odell Beckham or you know other um, successful athletes in the NFL who look to Tom as a role model, uh, I think you're seeing more and more of that. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's actually extending to the uh, what he does every day, what he eats, what he drinks, and, and whatnot. And so I think for Tom and for our business, it's very much about communicating to people that you know making those choices mm-hmm. uh, can make you better, can help you perform better over a long period of time. And you know, Tom will say it himself all the time. Uh, you know, people come to him and they say, "Tom, just tell me what to do. <laughs> just what do I do?" Right. So as a business, we're always talking about you know what are the protocols or the solutions we can provide you. So if you have a bad knee or if you don't feel well, you don't have energy. Like, what are the things that we can deliver to you from a content? information, education, or even product or service mm-hmm. standpoint to help you, you know, solve those problems. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. This strikes me as a model change, sort of segueing from uh, an aging boomer senior um, health club scenario to almost a new age health club mind-body mm-hmm. integration that 
hasn't really existed before. It's sort of been on the fringes, but it's never really been integrated. Do you guys see it that way? Yeah, very much. And when we talk about, you know, I think first just stepping back even for um, just a few seconds and, you know, what is Tom's lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? And it's really, we talk about the foundation of it really in five things. And it gets to your question, Roger, as well. Um, It starts all at the center with this notion of, you know, uh, muscle pliability, which we can talk about. It's the lengthening Mm -hmm. and softening the muscles to make Mm -hmm. them ready for action. Uh, Another key component to it is how we train. So a more functional strength and conditioning approach, which is something that we espouse and we try and help athletes with. But then it's all the other choices, right? It's what you eat, you know, following a more anti-inflammatory diet, which is very important to Tom. And that's been an evolution for him, particularly over the last five, six, seven years. What he drinks and how he hydrates. I don't know that I've ever seen Tom without a water bottle. Um, so what he drinks is pretty amazing. And then the last piece that we talk about, and this gets very specifically mm-hmm. to your comment, uh, Roger, your question is the, the notion of cognitive fitness. So how do you recover mentally? How do you prepare mentally? How do you wrap this all together so that you can take on whatever your challenges are, whether they're on the field, off the field, kind of you name it, um, making sure you pull that all together. Because if you're not of sound mind, it's hard to be of uh, sound body. So, so interesting because athletes, and I've always heard about this, go through a period, of, and I'm sure actors and other people do it as well, uh, this period of visualization before they do something. So as we talk a little bit about cognitively, is um, meditation, does that play a role in in the TB12 system. Yeah, we talk a lot about mindfulness. And I think the first thing that we try and do is we try and help everyone understand that um, Tom does a lot, right? Tom is a professional athlete. He's been at the top of his game for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, And that takes a lot of energy and effort and a lot of commitment uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Tom would be the first to tell you, um, and certainly Alex, our, our co-founder as well, like you've got to make the choices that make sense for your life. Um, mindfulness being one part of it, mm-hmm. you know, is something that everyone can um, experience the benefits of, depending upon how you do it, whether it's meditation or quiet time or, you know, some people, you know, find Zen-like meditative state from riding their bike for two hours and, you know, being in a, in a, in a um, you know, fixed state for right. a period of time. So it's really, it's what works for you. Yeah. But I think particularly in this day and age where mental health is a you know, bigger and bigger issue for people, um, you know, the rates of anxiety, depression are skyrocketing. We live in a world where there's a ton of distractions. The ability to um, be more mindful and just even take five, 10 minutes a day to just collect your thoughts uh, is really important. And it's something that we you know, suggest people think hard about. Yeah. John, because so when I look at the brand, the TB12 brand, under the umbrella, if you want to call it that, you have supplements, you have um, performance training, you have apparel, you, and I'm sure more and more to come. And then just today you mentioned that you're going to be in Whole Foods, whatever. What is your vision, your strategy to expand the brand? Because right now, the only people who can benefit are people in Boston with your new location here in um, Copy Square that opened about six months ago. So I like to always start with what are we trying to accomplish? What's our mission, right? And we're trying to redefine human performance and prove that age is just a number. And we have perhaps, um, certainly at least this century's best example of that (laughs) in Tom. Uh, And that's our starting point. Now, how we do that gets to the actual business. And, you know, our business for the size and stage we're at is probably a little more complicated than I'd like it to be. Uh, But I break it down really into two things. One is we have this, um, what we call body coach or services business, where you can get the experience in 
person with a TB12 body coach who will take you on your, uh, your health journey, whether it's injury rehabilitation, injury prevention, or performance training. That's, that's in, a, per, in that's person. In person. Right. That's the in-person part of the business. Right. And we're doing that through company-owned centers, but also we're looking at partnerships and ways to deploy body coaches um, with in physical locations that we don't necessarily own. We've got a few of those in flight. That's one part of our business. And I'd say that's the tip of the spear. And you know, anytime you're building a brand, I, I always go back to a very simple thing like good, better, best. Right. And for us, the best is the in-person. Um, and then the second part of our business is really, in its most simplest form, everything around kind of commerce and e-content, uh, excuse me, e-commerce and content, excuse me. Um, and that's our opportunity to provide the information, the education, and the products and services to people who can't make it to see a TB12 body coach in person. So we've got a very robust e-commerce business. It's grown about 50% a year. Actually, this last quarter, it's up um, over 100% a year. So it's, it's growing great. Um, and, and you know, you mentioned a couple different products that we have. We try and deliver to people the information and the products and services that they might want to on board of the lifestyle. Because again, everyone may not be like Tom. Right. Like we recognize that. You know, you may not want to, you know, eat everything Tom does, drink everything that Tom does, work out how he does, um, but you may want to do little bit little bits and pieces of it. And so we try and provide those uh, services to let people do it. And you know, wholesale for us, to me, is just another way to let people experience the brand. And I have some real strong thoughts in this day and age about how to build a brand and how you need to meet your consumer where they are. Um, and so that's how wholesale plays in, but we can talk about that later perhaps. So there's hope for Roger and I that if we engage, indulge in the performance, Roger, and the and all the supplements and everything else, we, we, we'll be pretty cool. Well, for one of us, anywhere, Larry. Right. John, John, let me take a, 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 a step Thank you, back. Roger. Um, in that, um, uh, Alex Guerrero, uh, your partner, Tom's partner, uh, has been sort of a, a lightning rod for some people because of some of his unconventional approaches, uh, one of which is the, um, the theory about the alkaline Mm-hmm. Diet, uh, which I actually, I, I, which I agree with. I mean, yep. I think there is absolutely something to that. So, if you were, if if you were to have a press conference and say, okay, you know, you, uh, John, uh, explain and how, how do you explain uh, to the critics what what Alex, you and Tom are, are doing? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And um, it's funny you say if you were to hold a press conference, because it goes back to your very first question too, Larry, you know, what's it like working for Tom? I'd say the single biggest difference in anything I've experienced before to this is I feel like every minute I'm holding a press conference, like you're, you're under the mic, you're, you know, you're under the microscope yes, all yes. the time. You know, mm-hmm. I represent the brand 24 seven. This is a press and, conference. Yeah, exactly. I look at it every, every, every time. So I always joke with my friends. I used to be a lot more fun before I, I took, took this on, but I'm always watching what I'm doing. Doing what I'm saying, um, but no. So uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty uh, realistic about all this, right? And I can't speak to everything in the past, but I can speak to speak to what we do now and what we're what we're focused on in the future. Um, Tom and Alex have a very special relationship. They've been together for a long time. It's very genuine. It's a deep friendship, and it's one that's you know contributed to a lot of success relative to um, how we think about our business and you know maybe some of the stuff where I think Tom and Alex have thought non-traditionally or untraditionally, if you will, about things. Um, I very much equate it to. Um, innovation in general, right? I think a lot of times when you find, in my experience has been, people who are innovators are oftentimes a little ahead of conventional wisdom and therefore uh, can be deemed charlatans or outside the box or crazy ideas and all that, you know? And and I look at our business right now and um, I look at what we're doing, I look at what I know. Um, 
I think a lot of the stuff like the alkaline diet, as you said, like people have come around. Now, what has changed, and, and I'll, I'll give Alex some credit here, um, as an innovator, like Alex saw the benefit of the alkaline diet 10 years ago, maybe even a little longer, probably, if I'm uh, if I really went back and did my homework. Um, and the explanation of why the alkaline diet 10 years ago was beneficial from a health standpoint right. is a little different than what it is today. Mm. But you kind of end up in the same spot. And maybe what we didn't do over time is we didn't adapt how we talked about it. So now we've changed. So the old school of thought in the alkaline diet was you you eat the right foods and it's it creates a better pH um, environment in your body. Well, the reality is. From a biology standpoint, you can't change the pH in your body. But with the alkaline diet, mm-hmm. you're eating more plants, you're eating less meat, you're doing all things now, which you know are scientifically at this point effectively proven to, to be healthier. So look, I, I very much look at the past for Tom and Alex as they were ahead of the curve. I mean, they were innovators, they were out there in front, and the general feeling on health and wellness and the scientific thinking has started to catch up. And now our job is to stay ahead of it and keep staying ahead and keep being innovators. I mean, you know, the doctors today, if you go to the doctor's office, the, the big thing today is with, with statins or whatnot is, is inflammation. How do you yeah. reduce inflammation? Right, right. Hydration. I just went to the doctor the other day. There you he go. Goes, you're not drinking <laughs> enough water. You 64 ounces minimum yeah. a day. And, 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 and five and times a night on. in the bathroom. <laughs> but, 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 but the benefits of hydration will outweigh the lack of sleep. <laughs> Too much information, Larry. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, you know, I think it's a matter of, you know, and you can go back over history in business or otherwise, like people who are innovators, yeah. you know, can, yes. can be controversial. And um, I, I think one of the things I feel really good about, and I vote with my feet every day showing up, um, giving it my all at TB12, I really believe that we were ahead of things and we're going to stay ahead of things. And the world's kind of catching up to some of our thinking. But you know, it, when I was coming here today, I was telling a friend of mine that you're going to be here today, John. And the first thing he says, oh my God, you know, that guy, John Burns, he must have a real peachy job. I mean, really think of it. He has Tom Brady in his pocket. He's a great brand. And he said to me, you know, he said to me, I think anybody who has athletes, a professional folks there and celebrity is just smooth sailing. So share with us, what are some of the challenges, you know, building a brand, but also building a brand where you have also a very high profile person, in this case, Tom Brady, professional athlete at the core of the brand as well. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I, mean, I mean, is it really peachy? No, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface it. Actually, it's, it's funny because I, I have an answer to that, but I'll preface yeah. it by saying, I love Tom. I love Alex. I love our team and I love my job, right? Let's start there. Right. Right? I love what we're doing. I love the mission. I love everything about it. That being said, I, I jokingly say to a lot of my friends, because, you know, that's oftentimes, oh my God, you work with Tom and Alex and you're building a brand around Tom Brady. Well, that's awesome. I'm like, you know, to be honest, um, many days I feel like, I have the job that everyone wants until you have it, right? Because, um, and, and I say that, you know, tongue the in cheek, what you I, do, far, right? I do love it, right? But, um, you know, we operate on a 24-7 cycle. Um, everything you see from Tom, you know, on the field translates off the field as well. Uh, we are, we're playing to win. We're, we're playing to change the world. And, um, you know, it's not a nine-to-five situation. Uh, that's okay. And um, and we live with that. I jokingly said a couple minutes ago, I feel like every moment of every day is a press conference. You know, right. I've learned to live under the microscope. I've learned that I represent the brand every minute of every day. Um, but it's it's what I've also realized over time, it's a little easier to do when you step back and look at it, because actually Tom's a great role model in that regard. And so recognizing how he handles himself, um, you know, not only with the press, 
after a bad game, right. after a good game, right. <laughs> and and you know how he handles stuff. It's it's great. So it's great to be partners with Tom and Alex, and to have the opportunity to learn from both of them, and hopefully they've you know been able to pick up some things from me. And um, it's it's a job of passion, but it's not as peachy as everyone thinks <laughs> because we also have high expectations. Right. Numbers, I mean, we're trying sure. to do we're trying to do a lot of things here, and um, you know, and that creates some pressures. But you know, it's all well worth it because we're changing people's lives. We see it every day. We know it. So, John, you have been affiliated with a lot of very successful startups: Lululemon, yeah. uh, Grillo's, mm-hmm. uh, Pickles, uh, uh, now um, Oat Pizza. What is it that you see? that attracts you to a brand or a company that, that in your mind that clicks and goes, this is something I want to be a part of? Yeah, I think it's probably a few things, Roger. Um, I One of the things I, I think I have um, a unique um, ability to see is I have a good sense of trends. I have a good sense of where things are going. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Wayne Gretzky's old saying, I think it was something like, you know, go where the puck's going and or something like that, right? Everyone knows the old expression. Right. Um, I'm screwing it up, but you understand it. Yeah. Um, so I have a good sense of the trends. So I think knowing where things are going, um, or at least having a sense. Um, the, the other big thing for me is um, I really look at, um, I look at brands and I look at opportunities from the standpoint of val- the values they espouse and how that translates to the consumers that they're trying to serve and the problems they're trying to solve for the consumers. And so some of these brands you mentioned, I got involved, I liked them because uh, oftentimes uh, the values that the brands espoused um, resonated with me. So for, you, know, you start at a place where, you know, hey, this makes a lot of sense, like Grillo's Pickles, I'll give you an example. Um, the world's moving to fresher food. Like at the end of the day, that is happening, and I've seen it happening for years. I was a little early on the healthier food thing, um, but it's it, the world's moving to healthier food. But not only is it moving to healthier food, the world's moving to refrigerated foods, right? And the grocery stores, you know, all the packaged foods and whatnot. People are moving to the outside perimeters of the store. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Grillo's Pickles as an example of you have glow-in-the-dark pickles in jars shelf stable at room temperature that could sit for three or four Mm -hmm. years on the Mm -hmm. shelf. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at a Grillo's Pickles and I said, okay, the world's moving in this direction. Farmers markets, eat local, all these things are happening. I know your business, you know, obviously in seafood, it's a big deal as well. Um, It just, the the trends hit. And then there was a founder of the company we got involved, this guy, Travis Grillo. He was just so genuine, so authentic. He started selling pickles out of a pickle cart in the Boston really? Common. Really? He just felt so strongly really. about a better pickle um, that to me, it was the that. passion huh. then that closed the deal what for was me. It, what was his background? I'm curious yeah. about that. He has a really interesting story, actually. He's a, he's a great young guy. He, um, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten it, but he wanted to be a, he's a sneakerhead. You know, the, he's huh. a big sneaker guy. Really? So he wanted to be a designer for Nike. Flew out to Nike, didn't get the job, flying back, basically, what the hell am I going to do? And his father had this recipe for pickles. He liked food. And he basically started selling pickles on the Boston Common. And, you know, 10 years later now, I got involved a few years ago. Uh, we're all over the country. Um, the company's quite sizable. Um, wow. And it's probably one of the bigger food companies in the greater Boston area. Really? Which is very the, good. The brands that Roger mentioned, those brands you either invested in or you were in the board of directors, whatever. Yeah. What or was oath defi- started, yeah. Or oath, right, you, yeah. you found that. Yeah. What was the defining moment that you said, hey, I'm going to leave Breakaway Ventures, and now I'm going to just run one brand versus your role and your passion for investing and being the boards of brands? 
I've had the good fortune of being involved with some great people and some great companies over time in a variety of capacities, either investing in them, on the board, running them. Um, for me, the opportunity with Tom and Alex with TB12, you know, I, I hate to say, I'm in my late 40s, so I hate to say it's a capstone to my career, yeah. but it was such a unique opportunity. I've always been very passionate about health and wellness. Uh, I try and take good care of myself. I've always been into working out, eating healthy, all that. So it resonated with me. But the opportunity to uh, join them to help really change people's perception of age and mm-hmm. longevity mm-hmm. Uh, was incredibly powerful to me. And I think, you know, more specifically to just the challenge of building brands, having been around a lot of them, uh, there's not a lot of opportunities you're going to get to build a brand associated with an iconic figure like Tom. And so for me, the professional challenge of mm-hmm. it was, um, was very appealing as well. And like I said before, I like uh, very much like Tom and Alex personally. So that was an important decision for me. And uh, and I will tell you the other thing, I haven't been involved in a few different capacities. Um, there's pros and cons to running a company versus being on the board or being an investor. And I think I've also kind of hit a point where um, I, I like to be able to control the outcomes more. And I think when you're doing it and you're the CEO right, and you're running right, the company, right. it's very different than when you're, you know, on the board of a girl of pickles right. and say, hey, you know, guys, maybe you should do this. And, you know, I'd do it on the way out the door. They mm-hmm. may take three or four weeks to think about it. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so there was that too. But let's talk a little bit about e-commerce. We, we, we sort of yeah. talk, touched on it a bit, but e-commerce is, is really the change uh, uh, agent of, uh, of retail right now. Where are you seeing the successes and where are you seeing the challenges in e-commerce as you sort of started up? It's not easy, but once you find the sweet spot, obviously, it's, it, it can be pretty good. Yeah, so there's a lot there, um, and I think the world's changing again. Uh, Information travels so quickly. The consumer preferences are changing, and how consumers are interacting with technology with brands is changing. So we're at this inflection point where I see a lot of things going on uh, relative to e-commerce. You know, if you look back over the last 10 years, in my opinion, e-commerce has changed quite a bit. Um, I'd start with one of the things that's changed the most. Um, You saw probably five years ago the emergence of a lot of what I would characterize as, or what would generally be characterized as the digital first brands, right? So Mm -hmm. the Warby Parkers of the world, right? Um, The Bonobos, right? These companies that are serving a new consumer and they start in e-commerce and that's all they sell. Well, then you started to, that's the only way they sell. Then you started seeing the emergence of these brands. Now, wait a second, Warby Parker has stores. Bonobos has stores. Mm. And what I believe very strongly, this is one of the big changes in e-commerce, and it also impacts how we're thinking about our business. The cost of customer acquisition online has gotten, at some level, prohibitively expensive. Um, There is a limited amount of online real estate once you get past the initial parts of the long tail. So if you are an e-commerce company these days, generally speaking, in order to reach consumers, right, you are probably buying uh, ads or ad words or keywords on Google, you're working through Amazon, or you're working through Facebook. So the consolidation of the digital properties has created a problem for brands where it's very expensive. That's why you've seen some of these, you know, quote unquote digital first brands move to a more what everyone likes to call the omni-channel approach, right? We sell online, but we also have a store on Newberry Street in Boston. Mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. and, you yes. know, take Casper as an example. Casper started online. 
And then Casper said, oh, wait a second, we're going to open some stores because it's getting more and more expensive. Everyone, there's 40, 50 digital betting companies or mattress companies. Everyone's bidding up those AdWords. It's cheaper to have a store uh, front in Boston to acquire customers than to just do it online. And then they went to Target. And now they're selling Target, too. So I think one of the big changes, Roger, in e-commerce is e-commerce is not just e-commerce anymore, right? I think the brands have to look more extensively. And then I just think the tools and the ways to reach consumers are changing. Um, You know, I have kids that don't watch TV. They watch YouTube. Um, I just bought a new TV this weekend, and my 14-year-old daughter said, oh, why'd you get the new TV for, Dad? And I'm like, wow, because wow, I want to get a new TV. She goes, I don't watch TV, Dad. I'm like, great. I watch TV still, so I got this for Dad. So then you have the whole changing dynamic there. You know, social, like for us, uh, the phone, um, we redesigned our whole website uh, in August, and we went mobile first. Uh, 75, 80% of our traffic is mobile. So again, the old model of even e-commerce being on desktop, our web, our website wasn't even optimized for that. And we had 75, 80% of our people coming through a, a phone. Um, you got you to be optimized. So I touched on a lot of things sure. there. No, I tried no, no, to do no, some of it briefly, good, but though. there's a lot going on in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And I think it's becoming more and more challenging uh, for companies really to, to, to grow just as uh, e-commerce yeah. companies. So John, when it comes to social media, how do you utilize social media? For example, like, you know, so many people say, you know, a lot of people today, they're in social media. Oh, I got 1,000 likes, 5,000 likes. I'm going to assume that your investors, you can't go to them and say, we have 24,000 likes, and that equates to so much revenue. That likes is not, you know, aligned to revenue. And then on social media, you know, you can have one comment from a consumer, good, better, and different, then go viral, you know, to millions of people. So the first question is, how are you using social media platforms to build a brand? And how are you also monitoring the consumer's comments to make sure that if there is anything negative that goes viral, you are nipping the butt right then and there? Look, social media, like the broader e-commerce story, has been evolving and things changing. The platforms are changing, too. It's really interesting to me how the platforms are changing um, from a popularity standpoint. So a number of years ago, seven, eight years ago, I was involved with a company at very early stages called Spartan Race. And Spartan Race put on these obstacle course races, like think running, but obstacles thrown in. And, you know, we grew that business all over the world. And I think I stopped doing that in fifth grade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, we have a million, million people a year. I just got off the board actually very recently, but we've had a million people a year doing those races. And wow. we were able to build that business initially because of Facebook. And hmm. what happened was people would do these races, they'd jump through fire or they'd jump over something and there'd be a picture and they'd post it on Facebook. And so it spread very viral. Well, like we were saying a few minutes ago, the world then started to change. Facebook started changing the advertising dynamics, the cost, it started getting cost prohibitive. So we had to adapt as a business. And and then you've seen that happen over and over. So then, you know, people move from different platforms, right? So there was, uh, you know, started out with Facebook, then Pinterest got hot. Then wait a second, it was YouTube and Instagram. Now the new one everyone's talking about is TikTok. You know, Tom just opened a TikTok account. Uh, he's got a lot of followers on TikTok. And my kids are always, my kids are following Tom Brady on TikTok. They're not looking at Tom what, what, on. Can I just ask a naive question? What, I don't have TikTok. But what does he do? What does Tom do on TikTok? They're, I heard it's music, they're short dancing. videos. They're short, yeah. yeah, they're short okay. videos, basically. Short videos. You have loads of video, you have loads videos? Yeah, yep. short, short videos generally is what people do. So the platforms are always changing. So I think for brands, these days and companies like ours and others, you always have to be trying to stay current with what's happening and also recognize too that where's your consumer? You know, the reality of it is with Facebook, um, the Facebook consumer has skewed older, 
right? So it's not uncommon to see people in their 60s and 70s on Facebook. And so as a business where, you know, seven, eight years ago at Spartan Race, we were picking off 25-year-olds who wanted to go do a race on Facebook. Mm -hmm. right. Not a lot of 25-year-olds on Facebook anymore. So you can't build the business that way. So that's one part of the answer to your question. I think the other part of it is, I think my experience with companies, and we're always very conscious of it at TB12, is to not be seduced by mm -hmm. the immediate gratification of the metrics you get. Like you said, likes, mm -hmm. likes things yeah. like that. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not, in the last 10 years, it's not entirely clear to me that all that social media activity um, for every brand I've been a part of always ties directly to revenue. Right. It's different in different situations. So you've got to be very methodical at how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. great brand building platforms. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, uh, John, does Tom's leadership style on the field, how does that translate in a bricks and mortar or in a, in, in, or in a gym? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do the best I can to translate what I think it is on the field based on what I see and know. I joke with them that, hey, if you needed someone to catch one pass, I could probably get one pass and I'll get one hit and I'll be done. So I've never <laughs> actually played with them. But, you know, what you see with Tom, one of the most amazing things about Tom, in my opinion, is what you see is what you get. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget a story he told me about the Super Bowl where they were down, you know, 28-3. And, uh, you know, he was sharing with me that, you know, when you go into the huddle, you know, you have to – you have to believe you can come back and win. And that's where everything starts. And as a leader and as a teammate, uh, if, you don't, if you don't have that quality, then your chances of success are pretty low. And the advantage uh, you know, of, of being a friend of Tom's and being around Tom a lot now with this is there's so many of those examples that we can translate into the day-to-day -day for business. And I think as a business leader, you know, and as a CEO, I always say being a CEO is, you know, not as glamorous as everyone thinks because you're sort of the, the chief problem officer, right? Mm -hmm. All the problems come to you as the mm -hmm. CEO, right? So I translate something very simple as that example I gave you is when the problems come to me, um, you know, I always try and start with a mindset of, all right, we can solve this. Like, there's a way through this. And, you know, some problems are small, some problems are big, but you start with some of that. And then I also think, too, one of, one of my favorite things about Tom as a leader and a teammate, um, it's never about Tom, right? It's about the team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try and do the best I can to translate that to our business. Uh, Tom and I, I think we share a lot of values, but we're not the same person, obviously. And uh, we have different experiences. But I try and translate that a lot to the team. And I'll tell you, uh, when our team gets a chance to interact with them, uh, again, he's an incredibly caring person. And we've had events where we've had the whole company. We've got about 75 employees now, so we've actually gotten a little bit bigger. And we had an event with a lot of employees. And he took the time to take a picture with and talk to every single person, uh, including their significant other or guest, their plus one mm -hmm. who they brought. Mm -hmm. And um, our biggest challenge with Tom sometimes is, okay, Tom, we're going to move it along. Cause he'll, talk, <laughs> you know, he'll talk to you for five minutes. Right. Like he will lock in and right. he will engage. Right. And so it's that, also that caring part of Tom that um, I, I think it's hard to see if you don't know him. You know, John, to just play off a little more about your, let's say, your leadership style or how you create this culture, a little while ago, I read in the Harvard Business Review, they said that, um, that um, the average CEO spends 70 hours a week working, but only spends 3% of the time actually touching the customer in some way. I'm curious to know at TB12, what is your leadership style? And also, what do you do and your people do to not just deliver on your brand promise, but how do you 
make sure that you intimately know what this sweet spot is, the behavioral is, how they enjoy an experience. How do you stay close to your customer? Yeah, that's a hard one for anything. And, you know, you're think about all the customers you have in your business, and all your locations. It's hard. Um, I, you know, I think when you have a location based business and that's yeah. part of ours, mm. there's really only one way to do it. And that's go there mm. and be there. Mm. And I don't know what your experience is with it. Yeah, Roger, no, no, but, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes yeah. it's if I'm in by myself, you're just sort of going to the bar and just sort of watching. But then it gives you an opportunity to kind of, you know, interact. Yeah. And when you go to our training centers and we have two now, we'll have two more next year. Um, I, I try and make it a point to go in and, and do the same thing. I literally would talk to people. I'll talk to them. You know, in Boylston Street, we have a flagship location. We have a retail experience. I'll talk to people at retail. I'll watch them. I'll also talk to them. I'll thank them for coming in. Um, you know, for the people who are training with us or working out, you know, I'll actually go. I'll just walk up to them, introduce myself. Hey, I'm John, and I'll ask some questions. And the things you can learn from mm-hmm. that uh, are great. And right. the cool thing about our business, too, is you got to remember, part of what they're doing with us, sometimes they're working out. And what they do with us, they're working out one-on-one with someone. Mm. And as I see someone, if I've met them once, if I see him again, I'll clap. I'll say, you know, great job. Like, keep it up. Like, you're doing a great job today. And it's like, it's a very uplifting environment. So it's an easy way to interact. And I found a lot of our clients are able to be, um, I've been pulled aside by many clients with um, comments, suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. All those Absolutely. things. And I, and I love it. And I love yeah, it. In my business, it's a little easier because they've had a little bit to drink. So, <laughs> so they're a little bit more sharing. But, but, I'm not but, sure electrolytes <laughs> have the same effect as martinis. But yeah. yeah. But, but do, you, do you work out with them? I'm sure you, you're in good shape. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, I try so. and work out as much yeah. as I can, you know, um, you know, at least five days a week, six days a week, I'm trying to work out at least a little bit. And I'm just a, my personal belief and uh, on all of that relative to health and wellness is you're better off doing something for 10 or 15 minutes than nothing on any right, given day. Right. And I think the, one of the mistakes that most people make is like, oh, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I can't do my 45 minute you know, bike mm-hmm. ride today. My advice always is just go do something for 10 or 15 right. minutes. Like you just it's just keep right. doing something. So in all your conversations with these folks, is there one overall misperception that you're hearing about the brand? Uh, it's not. The misperception is not with the customers and clients. The misperception is with the people who are not customers or clients. And mm. one of the mm. biggest ones, there's probably two big ones, I'd say. Yeah. The first one is we're only for professional athletes. And most people don't realize that, um, at least in our training centers, um, the range of ages of clients is from 3 to 80. Five, I think. So you're suggesting Larry yeah. could go. <laughs> Larry, we're going to break I'm a sweat. I'm in the back door. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're not just for professional athletes uh, or world-class athletes. That's a misperception. Um, and then I'd say uh, the, the other one, too, and this is just the nature of being around Tom and Tom being Tom, is just the just almost ridiculous sensationalism of certain things, like avocado ice cream. Right. 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 Uh, uh, to the best of my knowledge, Tom's not eating avocado ice cream every day. Like, I think he tried some avocado ice cream. He had a friend's kid made it. Like, some of these things get sensationalized, right? And so then there's this perception that, oh, my God, the TB12 lifestyle. It's like I got to be uh, a monk uh, to do right. it, right? <laughs> but you know, you're on, like, on, your, on your earlier comment about misperception, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, are you big in some way your biggest competitor? Because on your website, that word athlete is everywhere. Yep. And so I'm, I'm saying that hmm. the more you say athlete, yep. you know, I mean, but again, athlete, I mean, I'm saying I work out, okay, in the gym. I could I could consider myself in some way, Roger Wright, I'm athletic. I'm not an athlete. So I'm wondering, like, is the word athlete being too overused on the website? So people are thinking, oh, unless you're a pro or a college athlete or whatever, it's not for me. 
Is that is that kind of a you know a, a byproduct of this misperception or people just feeling like intimidated? Well, I don't want to go there. They're all athletes working out, you know. Look, I think that's a great question, and you know, one of the things I've learned about building brands is it's not a straight line, yeah. particularly when you're involved in a complex business like ours with many mm-hmm. pieces. And uh, you know, going back to Roger's question about you know how does Tom's on the field translate to off the field in the business? Uh, Tom's about continuous improvement, right? We're always getting a little bit better, and I think there's an opportunity. Uh, we're always thinking about how can we be better as a brand, and I think why you see some of that verbiage on the website and kind of where it came from six months ago. I've been there for 13, 14 months. We've a lot going on. Where some of that verbiage comes from is the um, uh, perception, at least you know, six, seven, eight, nine months ago, that uh, you have to start somewhere. You have to kind of start at the tip of the spear at mm. some level, right? And if you look at all Nike's advertising, you know, all Nike's advertising is you know for the pinnacle athlete. That's right. Yet most of their sneakers are being sold at like Bob stores and other places, right? It's more aspirational, right? So that was the thinking there. You know, I think as we move into 2020, uh, I think if you look at some of our marketing even recently, you will see less imagery of people who um, might look just like athletes. You'll see different age groups, different sizes, different shapes, and we'll do more of that in 2020. See, see, one of the things that I think is key that you use is lifestyle. Mm. And so... When I look at and, 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 and sort of see what you're doing, in some ways I see, okay, this is enhancing lifestyle or almost age-defying in mm. some way, if you will. You know, how can I – because one of the things that they talk about, I want to stay on the field longer. I want to stay from 42 to 45. I, I want to be more pliable. I mean, these are all sort of adjectives that you think, okay, if, 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 if my body is in better shape, my longevity – Mm-hmm. is going to be enhanced. And so I think that's a good message. I mean, you know, for, for certain segments of the yeah, population, yeah. truly. And and maybe, for you know, so maybe the message is, I, I, this is just talking, but but maybe the message is sort of gets focused to different demographics. Mm. Yeah, it's demographics, but also the, the one thing I also wanted to add to that too is just the psychographic. And I don't think we've solved it yet for the exact right way to do it, but I think the psychographic of an athlete is important. And the, the definition of an athlete has changed a lot in the last 10 years because of the social nature right, of fitness right. now. Um, you know, I experienced it with Spartan Race. You experienced it with the, the proliferation of marathons. Fitness has become social. And so those people who view themselves as athletic and or into fitness are not necessarily the, you know, buffed or jacked, you know, athlete right. all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's pointing you, Larry. <laughs> to know Mr. Love Yeah. yeah. But I think it's a great question. It's a, it's very perceptive, and I think that was a conscious decision some time yeah. ago. But we'll evolve over what, time. You know, one of the perceptions I want to ask you as well, because when I I saw YouTube with Tom, and I read naturally your your um, your, your website. I'm in down at your location. I think people perceive also that the place is filled with all free weights. It's all strength equipment, right? Building muscle, and it's not. It's not at all. It's not. So can you yeah. can you share with us that philosophy? Because I think people just think it's all about lifting 200 pounds, 500 pounds, squatting, be, squatting. Running everything. Share with us so our audience knows really what really takes place at the TB Center and your philosophy about the bands and the stretching versus the free weights. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important question. It gets to the core of what we do. Um, And I mentioned it at the very beginning of the conversation, this notion of muscle pliability, which is the idea that you can lengthen and soften your muscles so you can get full muscle recruitment, your full muscle will be active, and you'll be kind of prepared for activity. Most... 
athletic training these days is very weight centric and particularly with the advent of CrossFit and whatnot as well, you know, and particularly in professional sports and football, very, very weight centric. You know, our belief is that if you do too much weights, you will counteract the effects of the work you're putting in to be pliable. So you should do some weight training for your sport, whatever you need, but you should complement it with other training. And we use a lot of body weight activities, but also resistance bands. The advantage of resistance bands, there's a few of them, but for purposes of this, um, there's a couple uh, one is you can move through ranges of motion very quickly. And there are, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't seen it yet, there's very few things you do in any sport slowly. And so mm-hmm. if you think of the average person on a weight bench in a gym bench pressing, right, it's right, oftentimes right. a very slow motion. Right. Um, you don't do anything slow in sports. So the advantage, one of the advantages of bands is we can move you through very quickly through a range of motion under load, mm. um, reducing your chance of injury, but also simulating the speed of your sport. And so that's a big part of it. And I think having the increased range of motion with the bands, we feel like um, doesn't counteract all the hard work we do with our clients mm. to develop muscle pliability through, you know, deep deep tissue work right. and things like that. You know, one of the products you have, and I don't know if you have it at the um, at the gyms, but you have these brain games. Mm-hmm. T- tell us what that is. So one of the things that we have as a tool, we're always looking for different tools to help people be healthier. Um, we have, you know, concussions are a real thing in sports, particularly in football, which is kind of yeah. where some of our heritage is. Um, there's a lot of different thinking and science and different beliefs on concussions. But, you know, one of the things that we found with concussions is when you uh, when you have a head injury, oftentimes there's an incredible load on your neck and, um, and head muscles. And some of the tightness and some of the pain is a function of that. So we'll oftentimes help athletes that have concussions with uh, the pliability work, the deep force tissue work. Right. But we also have, as uh, Roger said, we have uh, a couple different tools we use, technology tools that we use to help people on focus and things like that. Tom will actually use some of the activities from time to time just to keep the mind sharp. There's different activities uh, in the software where, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of how I describe one, where you have balls bouncing around a screen, multiple balls. It'll start with three. One of them will light up. you got to then it'll pause which one lit up. Then it's four balls. All right, two lit up. Five balls, and really? it's like it's it's wow. training your ability to see multiple things and mm. develop focus. So we use some of those things. We've had some success with it, and um, I think going back to a question you had earlier about you know mindfulness and cognitive, I think you will see more and more of that type of stuff from us in the next three to five years. I think that's a real next frontier, and I think when you consider the many attributes of you know our patriarch Tom, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. of our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know his his uh, mental toughness and cognitive fitness, I think, is is supreme, and so it gives us a great business opportunity. So, John, let's let's fast forward. Roger and I are sitting here with you three years from now. What do you envision we we'll talking about in terms of the TB12 disruptive innovation and the biggest impact you feel TB12 is going to make on the fitness and wellness industry? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I believe very strongly that we are in the process of changing the conversation of what it means to be healthy and uh, redefining health as something that has to happen over a longer period of time. We oftentimes talk in terms of lifespan, how long you will live. Uh, we want to get people starting to talk about health span. How long will you be healthy and be able to do the things that you love? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a big part of it for us. So we see thousands and thousands of clients a year. We help thousands and thousands more online. Uh, three years from now, I'd hope that you'd see you know 
10 to 12 TB12 locations around the country, including uh, places maybe where, you, you know, know Tom, Miami, Tom, <laughs> where Tom well, San Diego, and then, you know, you'll see a, an e-commerce business growing and a, a lot more content to help people live their best lives and live healthier lives and increase their health. Well, I, I think you've convinced Roger and I, I think after today, we're going to head down to TB12 Center, Roger. <laughs> yeah, okay? Absolutely. But, but I have my, my one final question that, and this has been a burning question. This has bothered me for a long time. What the hell are recovery pajamas? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a great question. Talk about branding, right? So, uh, yeah. So look, in the category of innovation, there's a technology out there, bioceramic technology, which has a scientifically proven ability uh, through infrared uh, technology to increase blood flow and oxygenation of muscle tissue. So in partnership with Under Armour, a couple years ago, we launched a bioceramic infused uh, pajama uh, uh, product where literally while you're sleeping, infrared um, radiation from your body, uh, heat is being deployed back to your body to increase blood flow and oxygenation, which are core pieces of recovery. Uh, oh, so, so, so for the bedroom athlete. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There you go. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love oh, it. Great. Right. Hey, John, this has been great, really. We really appreciate it. You no, know, I really appreciate you guys having here. me. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to say it, but I've really admired, you know, the business you've built too, Roger. Um, 30 years ago, the big Thank treat you. for me, you used to be to go to uh, Legal Seafoods in Chestnut Hill when oh, I was at Boston oh, College. That oh. was always the big thing, and it has been for 30 years now, and so it's great to get a chance to meet you as well. Well, thank you. Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. No, it's a pleasure. We appreciate you sharing your wisdom and nuggets of information, yeah. not just of TB12, but fitness and wellness and your just your vision for the future because, um, you know, it's really so valuable. Like today, we all want to live younger, longer, and, and you're, as you mentioned, you're really selling longevity, and it seems like um, you're just on the tip of the iceberg to achieve an even yeah, more greatness. Definitely cutting edge. So yeah, yeah. Congratulations oh, and best of luck. Yeah, yeah thank you for having me. Yes, appreciate it. Awesome. Remember to subscribe to Name Brands on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Name Brands Pod on Twitter or on Facebook at Name Brands Podcast. That's it for us. We'll be back to talk to you again next Wednesday. 